Iowa everywhere. Jordan Bohannon, Jared Stansberry. It's Jared and J-Bo on Iowa Everywhere. This is Iowa Everywhere. It's, uh, Ow. J-Bo and Jared, yeah, that was really, 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 really loud. <laughs> I forgot to turn the volume down again. I did that last week. Holy cow. That blew my ears out, too. I had to take my headphones off. Uh, <laughs> man. We need a producer or something. We need someone to help us. The The technical aspects of this continue to, to really have me uh, shook at the beginning of every episode. What's up, dude? It's uh, We're recording in the afternoon today. Anybody that's watching on YouTube, Jordan has to sit perfectly still. Otherwise, his camera will change focuses because of the sunlight. He's demonstrating for the folks watching on YouTube. <laughs> now the podcast people have no idea what you're doing. I What's do. going on, dude? How's everything going? I'm great, man. You know, a terrible weekend watching football, and be honest with you. Bad betting yeah. weekend for me, too. Well, I I saw you had some big news. What was that? Friday night when uh when it was announced you're gonna be playing for the Iowa Wolves? Yeah, man. I it's been in the works for a while. It's kind of been verbally official for a while. We just finally signed the contract and no, I'm excited. Uh, I know it's nothing like NBA, but just to take that next step in any kind of career, I think it's it's pretty emotional just to think about all the hours I put and dedicated to this sport. And you know, I'm hopefully I get a couple opportunities to play. And yeah, I'm excited to. We're going to be a lot closer, so we're going to be able to do some in-person podcasts as well. So that's definitely going to be beneficial for us. So I'm excited for that too. Yeah, man, it's uh shit. I mean, now, you know, when you're in the D league, you never know it's you're just one person seeing you away from getting an opportunity, you know, and that's, yeah. that's what I think is so cool about the G league. You've seen a lot of Iowa state guys that sign G league deals, whether it's, you know, obviously Monte and George both were on G league contracts and then turned into two ways. You know, uh, I, I think about a guy like Linda Wigginton who played in the G league for several years, started with the Iowa wolves. Now he plays for the Milwaukee bucks. Like if you just, can go in there and work on your craft and continue to improve. I mean, you never know who's going to see you and is going to be like, yeah, I want to give that guy a chance, you know? So congratulations, man. Happy for you. Happy. You're happy for you to get to continue play with your, uh, your college teammate, Luca. That'll be pretty cool. Uh, it should be fun. A lot of people I hope uh, will go out and, and cheer you guys on once the season starts. Yeah. I, I didn't even realize until you know, I made it verbally. I know I was in talks with Dial Wolves to do something early in the summer, but Luca texted me like randomly on a, like a weekday in the summer. He's like, yo, I'm with uh, the Iowa Wolves coach right now. I heard you're about get, we're about to play with each other. And so he like, he kind of, fig- he found out before even I did that it was official, which was kind of cool. But yeah, to rekindle a relationship that, you know, me and Luca will, you know, we're going to be great friends for the rest of our lives. It's going to be fun to, hopefully we don't play a lot together just because I want him to play in the NBA and um, mm-hmm. play at the highest level we can. But, um, you know, if that, that comes to fruition for us to play against each other with each other then that's gonna be awesome for sure you mentioned that it was not a very good week of uh watching football for either one of our teams uh iowa state with a 10 to 9 loss to kansas state names uh iowa went on the road and lost to iowa or illinois nine to six i saw during the game that you were saying that uh college students should be going to jail college students yeah, a college player, whatever, number 30. Oh. I think your tweet was number 30. Illinois jail. Yeah, college athlete. Yeah, college athlete. You wanted to send him to jail. 
Well, I mean, it was a vicious hit, violent. We're lucky that our quarterback didn't end up in the hospital. You know, I, my my prayers are with Spencer. Hopefully, he's gonna be okay. I don't know if he had any after effects from that hit, um, but you know, I wouldn't be surprised if there's an investigation within number thirty if he was uh, meaning to do that. I believe you also uh, said the officials should be put in jail. Dude, I'm tired. I'm, I'm everyone thinks I'm okay. It's a little sad, tired, but jail. I need, I think we need to jail all the officials. You see that what happened last yesterday with the Raiders? They already have the stripes on at least. Oh They're already ready gosh. to be on the chain gang. They deserve to. This is ridiculous. This is the worst. Every single week, I make it at my goal for this podcast to bring up the officials every single week. I don't know if you've noticed, Jared. I have. I noticed that. And believe me, every time that someone talks to me about the podcast, they say, man, he really loves to talk about the official. (laughs) I'm I'm, dude. It is. They're so bad this year. They're so bad. First of all, how is that roughing the passer on a car? One, it was a fumble. So he got the ball as he was falling down the quarterback. I know that's a rule. You can't put your whole weight on the quarterback. Yeah. How how do you not put your weight on the quarterback when you're holding the ball with one arm? makes no sense, dude. And I don't know. At some point, I think there needs to be a huge uh, protest for the uh, jail officials. I'll be leading the whole – I'll be in the front line of the protest holding the picket sign that says jail officials. It'll I'm be you and, uh, you and Micah Parsons from yeah, the Dallas yeah. Cowboys, Dallas Cowboys uh, formerly of Penn State. He has been very much on the anti-officials uh, thing on, on Twitter the last several days. It's understandable, though. I mean, I, I, you know, especially from like Micah Parkinson's pers- perspective, being a guy who's rushing the quarterback, it makes his job a lot harder when things like this happen. But the back-to-back days with the Grady Jarrett hit on, on Tom Brady, and then you come back the next day with the, the Chris Jones hit on Derek Carr, I feel like there needs to be uh, when a, something that eliminates like the – I don't know, human air aspect of seeing some of these things, because when you see them live, I'm sure they look way worse than what they really are, you know, and it might be your, what your eyes see might actually fit the rule. I feel like a personal foul should either be allowed to be challenged or it should be reviewed every personal foul. Because if you get two of them, don't you get kicked out of the game? Or if you get two on sportsman likes or like whatever it is, you can get kicked out of the game. There should be some account or some level of like, correction where if accountability yeah well i don't even know if it's accountability because it's like again like people can just be wrong you know like sometimes like it it is okay if official if an official is wrong but we need to have the ability to fix that wrong if it's like egregiously wrong like what those roughing the passers calls were i can guarantee you those officials go back they look at their little monitor and they sit there and they're like yeah okay i messed that one up you know, and if they know that they mess it up, they should be able to reverse it. And like, we have the technology to do these things. And I understand that's a slippery slope, but I don't know. I just feel like a 15 yard penalty and especially in a close game or at a key moment like that, what, like it was for the chiefs last night. I mean, that can change the trajectory of a game, you know, and it, it can really, I think it can really hurt teams. It, it prevents people from, you know, if embedding and things like that, like there just has to be more, uh, guardrails i guess put in place of how to be able to make sure we get these things right and i i believe i don't want to misstate this statement misstate this statement as being redundant as i am but uh i believe ten, like the professional sport of tennis they have adapted into the calls that are in or out are pretty much made by a computer on the on the tennis court 
So if that just shows you right there where maybe the advancement of technology might take sports, then so be it. But also, I do I do think that to some degree, like the human error of refereeing sports also makes sports sports too. So I get that argument. But there's some egregious calls that are just not even explainable sometimes that definitely need to be some way looked at some way somehow somehow needs to be a different right and that that's like i said like i don't know if it's like we review every single like penalty like that because that obviously could slow down games but they're just it seems like there's too many times where i've been watching a football game and there's a 15 yard personal foul penalty and everybody the announcers everybody looks at and it's like man there ain't anything there i see that's worth 15 yards you know and that's tough uh i I don't know. I I don't even know if it's about accountability again, because it's like people mess up sometimes, you know, like it, I don't think that it's like, yeah, we got to suspend these guys. Cause I think they're like being egregious and intentionally making mistakes. I mean, you, as we've discussed many times, you, you think there's more to this, but it's just, uh, I don't know. I, I feel like we have to do something better in every sport, you know, it like college know. basketball, you already know college basketball is I mean, the fishing is gonna be horrible. It's going to be so bad. I'm so excited to tweet about it. It's like the only thing you're going to say about college basketball is just how bad the officiating is. You're not even going to give opinion on players or anything. It's just the officiating no, sucks. I'll do that. But my first priority is going to be about the job that t- I'm already predict. That's my p- number one prediction for college basketball officials. We ha- will have the worst year ever in college basketball history this upcoming year. I just want to say there is like, I don't know if it's irony or it's coincidence, but like the, the, your head coach in college is one of those guys that is really anti-officials. And now you're really anti-officials. Have you just been like following the Fran McCaffrey, like propaganda against officials? Uh, I don't know. See, I'm going to get myself in trouble because (laughs) (laughs) I mean, obviously me and Fran have have a great relationship and I mean, I already have his son Patrick tweet at me saying how everything I'm saying might damage their yeah, upcoming they, year. They love the officials. Yeah. Yeah. They made it clear they love the officials. Like all these basketball officials are going to pull up and be like, I heard about what your boy Bohannon said. You're going to, yeah, you're going to find out tonight. You're going to find out. The thing is, I actually, uh, the old podcast I used to do, I, w- I brought up the officials quite a bit too, surprisingly you knowing me now and there's no way I used to do that. Right. But anyway, right. there's actually an official, I'm not going to say who, cause I don't want to bring his identity in. Um, he's a current official for the big 10 and he came up to me before a game in the warmups. I, I, I don't remember exactly what game it was, but it was during COVID and he came up to me. He's like, J-Bo, J-Bo. He came over. We talked for a little bit. He's like, Hey, when I'm done uh, officiating, Whenever I decide to retire, I want to be on the podcast and we can have an open discussion on everything you talk about in your podcast currently. I was like, oh my gosh, this is like perfect. And we talked about it before, I think two weeks ago, we were like, we need to have a, a, a official come in and we need to have an open discussion with them. I am excited for that day and it's going to happen on this show, Jared and J-Bo. I hope so. That would be, that would be really good. I would just like to get insights from those guys, you know, cause I, I mean, it, they see so many college basketball teams too, you know, and see so many good players, you know, that they can give good judgments on like, they know what a good player looks like. You know, if you've officiated that much college basketball, 
And I wish that officials could give their opinions on games and be like, man, like these people are incredible to see some of them, you know? I think too. Okay. I, I said this last weekend too. I, I, I have a, Okay, never mind. I'm not gonna say it. No, say it, say it. Say it. You gotta say it. You started. You have. You have no, to say it now. What were you saying? How much respect no. you have for the officials, and then you were gonna be like, "But what, what were you gonna say?" I'm just gonna say the first part. I have a lot of respect for the profession they're in because it, it is really hard. Man, yeah. The second uh, part, mate. It, it is, I have it to wait. Really it is really hard because it, and a lot of times too, like. Well, the thing I just never understand is this college basketball is where it's way worse than in, maybe in the NFL. But sometimes you look at these guys that are officiating and it's like a 65 year old man. And he's expected to keep up with some of the like best athletes, young athletes that we have in the, in, in our country. I don't know. That's where I sit there and I'm like, man, I don't know. Like I, it just seems like the game might be a little fast for that guy, you know? And I, I don't, I'm not pointing out anybody in particular, but do you want to jump on the anti I can't imagine why young people don't want to be officials. They probably listen to this podcast and they sit there and they're like, I'm not going to be the Jordan Bohannon's next target. That's why we, well, that's why we have an officiating crisis in this country <laughs> because of this show, but okay. Yeah. Just be a good official. We don't have to talk about it. It's that simple in my opinion. Be a, good, be a good official. And there won't be any problems. Yeah, that's on, fair. The top of your head, Jared, can you name one official? That's good. John Higgins. I think he's good. Okay. You want to ask? He, I'm sure he did plenty of your games. Like I, I don't know. Like, do you think he's not good? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I, he's one of the better ones, isn't he? The, my favorite one was uh, I, I'm gonna completely butcher his name. You're gonna know his name. He's always on the NFL. He uh, used to ref. Uh, Gene Steratore. Yes. He yeah. refed a couple of my games early on in my career, and he was phenomenal. Like you could yeah. talk to him, like he won't have an attitude. That that is my biggest pet peeve is when you go up to talk to the official what you did wrong, and they have an attitude. Like what the hell do you even have to have attitude? I'm literally asking what I did wrong. You don't even tell me. You'll t- like there's refs where they will just turn their back and just say shut up and play. Did you ever play a game uh, officiated by T- uh, TV Teddy? I don't think I did. Yeah, I don't. Isn't he? I yeah. thought he wasn't able. Yeah. Isn't he banned from doing big 10 games or am I being delirious? Oh, right maybe. I, I guess I don't know if he is. I didn't know about that. I, I, he's just always the guy that I like, if you hear that, that Ted Valentine is on the, on a game, you know, it's gonna be a long night, like right away is like, this is, this is going to be, there might be 50 fouls called tonight, you know, and we're going to go to the monitor. Picture. We're going to go to the monitor a whole bunch of times and do all that stuff. It's gonna there's a whole blue. there's a whole clips uh youtube that says ted valentine worst calls and moments in college basketball i wish we could pull this up can we pull this up right now is that possible uh yeah it might be yeah can we- uh his th- his thing was he was always uh so emphatic with his um with his charge calls and his uh like and ones and things like that and that's where i sit there and i'm like i mean i know this is supposed to be a show but like come on man you've been waiting all day to make that call you know the first it says band Ted Valentine. Okay, can we see it? Yeah, we got it. We got it. Here oh we go. My God. I'm Let's excited. See Let's see how bad this is. Everyone on the podcast is heated. I don't. I don't remember this game. No, this I don't. Oh, Anthony. It's Who is this? Yeah, so it's North Carolina and. This was a year before that? COVID. 
Duke? Duke and North Carolina. I mean, I feel like if they wanted to really like hammer home how bad Ted Valentine is, there's way better calls to like than that one. You know? Oh, wait, did you throw this guy off? Oh, he's tossing people out of the stands. <laughs> see, now that's what I expect to see from Ted Valentine. That's more like it right there. We're in a college basketball game. We're throwing fans out of the game. Isn't that the security job? Well, I mean, I guess theoretically it is the official's job. Like they're the ones who have to make that decision. Yeah. I mean, that just is, see, that's where it's like, this is turning into like a bunch of theatrics and it's just like annoying, you know, like just, just stop, man. Oh my gosh. Does he call the ball to the other team? Oh, see, this is what, this is the kind of people they do. Like, this is the, what rest the attitude yeah. they have. Like I've, this happens so many times where you start talking to them and just turn their back and walk away. That was like a pretty blatant one though. I don't know if I've seen that many where it's like that, you know, Oh geez. What's he arguing with Mick Cronin goes, goes nose to nose with Mick Cronin. Like who does this? Oh man. All right. We're All killing right, the yeah, people on the right, podcast yeah, right now. Yeah, Cause right, we're just watching um, Eddie Valentine yep. blow up calls. Uh, no, <laughs> it's, it's, yeah. I don't know. I don't know. Let, let's shift our focus away from the officiating. Uh, I said, I, I got my 15 minutes in Jared. We're good now. Yeah, no, we're good. I sent you a, I sent you a clip the other day from a con, no context college football that it was a, a big 10 put it out probably from big 10 media days. And uh, it's Kirk Ferentz said that offensive yardage is the most uh, under or overrated uh, statistic in football. Uh, I think that anybody who has watched Kirk's team this season can tell that he probably holds that opinion at this point. Wouldn't you agree with that? The irony of him saying it though, right now, <laughs> that was why it was so funny. It was like, yeah, yeah, we and get you it. Know, and you know, big 10 network did that on purpose just like the climate of Iowa football right now, because they knew that was just going to go viral. Well, and I got to say again, shout out to Spencer Petrus, man, for continuing to come and talk to the media. I imagine that even the media guys at Iowa don't want to talk to Spencer Petrus anymore. Like, I feel like it's gotten to that point where they, even they probably feel bad that he, he has to keep talking. I want to know in what world is it cool to keep sending out the quarterback who might be a prob part of the problem might not be part of the problem is maybe a small piece of the problem of numerous other issues, but the offensive coordinator doesn't have to talk after the game. Like that does not make any sense to me. You know, I, I guess I, again, props to Spencer Petrus. He seems he's got to be a stand up dude to be able to do that week after week and know what kind of questions he's going to get and know that realistically his answers aren't going to change from week to week, you know? And I don't know. That's uh, there are way too many people who make way too much money uh, coaching football to keep sending the quarterback out there to talk to the media, in my opinion. And I'm in the media. So it's like, if I'm, if I feel like that, then there's probably a lot of other people who do. Have you ever, I've always thought about this from your perspective as being in the media. Um, if a player or a coach, like if they're coming off a really shitty game, do you like struggle to find like the exact words to ask a question to them in the press conferences? 100% dude. 100%. Because at the, at the end of the day, like my relationship with players or with coaches is way different than like a fan, you know? So a fan sits there and they're like, Hey, fuck you, man, because you're not asking hard enough questions, you know? But in my mind, I sit there and I'm like, well, yeah, but I still have to see T 
TJ Otzelberger tomorrow, or I still have to see Gabe Kalsher, or, you know, or from an eye perspective, got to see Fran, or you got to see you, or you have to see Kirk Ferentz or all these people. And it's like, I'm not going to go in and be a dick to that person when you have to sit there face to face with them. And like, why would I be an asshole to them? I don't have a problem with them. They just messed up on the basketball court or whatever, or on the football field. Like it, and that is where, so yeah, I do try and be conscious of that because I don't want to be the guy that like the people in the program hate because he's just a dick, you know, like, I feel like it's one thing to be critical, but fair and to just be an asshole. That's my opinion. I like that. Critical, but fair. Yeah. But I feel like, no, what are you gonna say? I feel like there's a lot of like media members that don't have the mentality though. It might, I was pretty good. A lot of our reporters are pretty good. Um, I love Chad Litzko. I got really close with him these last, I, I think he That's does a phenomenal good. job. Yeah. He's really critical and fair. Like you said. Yeah. I don't know. Uh, Scott Docterman. He's another one I really like. I think he does a good job of like telling you what's going on without like being a ass about it, you know, but that's just kind of my opinion. Uh, I guess it's just hard because like to do my job, I have to be honest and every, even the people in the program, if they don't play well, they know that, you know, but I don't, that doesn't mean that I need to go and be so like scorched earth about it, that it crosses a line of like being mean, you know? Cause at the end of the day, like I still have a friendship or a relationship with different people. You still have to interact with them and all these things. Like you can't go out there and be skip Bayless. You know why skip Bayless can be skip Bayless because skip Bayless doesn't ever have to see an athlete or a coach face to face ever. And it doesn't matter. Even if he sits there and says like, Oh, come on the show. That's not going to happen. And even if they did, Skip's going to sit there and be nice to him. You know why? Because when you have to sit and talk face to face to somebody, things change. It's a lot harder to be mean to somebody. It's a lot harder to say, Oh yeah, I'm going to hold this person accountable with all these things for things that really at the end of the day, you know how much impact they have on society? None, none. They have nothing to do with what's actually happening in the day-to-day world. And that's where like, when I get criticized for things, Oh, you're not hard enough on them. No, it's just that I'm being honest. I'm being real. Like I'm the one that has to split the middle between you're too hard on them and you're not hard enough on them. You know, like that's literally my job is to be in the middle. And I think people forget that sometimes, you know, on both sides, like the people that think you're being too critical and the people who think you're not being critical enough. Like your job is literally to be in the middle. Yeah. It's it's such a fine line too. You cross over that line. You kind of break that relationship of potential questions in the future of, trying to get more out of the player, the coach too, I feel like. Well, yeah. Like I don't want to go into a press conference and say something to you and then have you not talk to me again when you're going to be there for four years, you know, like that would be pointless. That'd be bad business on my part. You know, how can you piss people off like that? You just can't do it. You know, that just is, I don't know. That's the way that is in any, in, in any industry. And that's where I sit there and I say like, Oh, people want to talk about holding people accountable. Like, how many people in their day-to-day job have someone that sits there and criticizes the way that you do your job? What, maybe 5% of people besides your boss. I'm saying like just outside people that have nothing to do with what you're doing or anything like that. Nobody, nobody has to do jobs like that. Hardly, you know? And so that's why I'm like, you're not going to criticize me and tell me how to do my job. I went to college to learn how to do my job. I've done this for a long time. Like I'm, I get it. You know, it's hard. Like it is a hard job sometimes, but Sorry, I just kind of went on a tangent. No, but I mean, you're right. I feel like everyone's trying to... There's a lot more people in this world now that are trying to be 
I don't know what the exact correct wording this is, but like do more than what their own profession that they're doing themselves. Like they try to cross the boundaries of way too many and be experts in way too many industries and professions nowadays. But that's also like the social media era we're, we're in now. Like people just tweet. They feel like they're experts in whatever field they, they tweet about. Yeah. And they, uh, think they're like a jack of all trades and a master of none, you know, but then they also think they're a master of all of the trades that they're, uh, you know, like dabbling in. And Twitter is what I think has been the biggest problem just so, or social media in general, maybe because that gave platforms to people who don't have anything productive to say, you know, and I'm not saying that I necessarily have anything productive to say. I think that there's a lot of people in this world who don't have anything productive to say and shouldn't be able to weigh in on a lot of things that they do because it's not productive to the public discourse of conversation. It's just like fighting or just rambling or just being an asshole, you know? And like, I, there was an example yesterday, the, uh, some guy took, uh, his Twitter account and made it look like the Iowa state two, four, seven site. And then said that Tom Manning, Iowa state's offensive coordinator had been fired. Who does that? Who thinks that that is like a cool thing to do or a funny thing to do or anything like that? That's not funny. Like, I don't, I don't know. I know the guy who runs the Iowa state two, four, seven site. And I know for a fact, he wouldn't want that to be out there that making it look like he's saying that, you know, and that's where I just, I don't think people like there's too many people on the internet who don't think of people as people. They think of them as faceless people on the internet just because that's what they are. And it's really bad for our society. I think bad for people in general, for human beings to interact that way. I just wish there was a way for Twitter not to, or social, all, well, I'm not just going to single out Twitter, but like TikTok and Instagram, Facebook, like there's so many people that hide behind the screen of a different account. I wish like th that wasn't able, like, you have to put like identification in and it's, I guess that's another way for freedom of speech, I guess. But there has to be some way for this to, because this I feel like it spiraled, spiraled out, out of control for a lot of social media sites, but I don't know. Maybe just, I'm just. It's funny because the only people who ever have anything to say critical about anybody are the ones, or like truly critical, you know, like going too far, are the ones that don't have their names on it, you know? Yeah. Because you know, because the people who have their names on it know that they can do that and it's going to make them look, they make themselves look bad, you know? And I don't think that like, having a faceless Twitter account where you can just like scream into the void. That's pointless to me. What you don't have any other outlet to relieve your stress or to relieve your, like, uh, whatever anger you have or things like that. And like, we sit here and we talk about how, you know, society is so polarized in so many different ways. It's because of the people that are out there that have a radical viewpoint or are really intense about so, a certain thing. And then someone else who's maybe on the fringe of going to that point, they see someone else do it and then they get fired up too. And then all of a sudden that person has in, inspires someone else to be fired up and be an asshole. And then like all of a sudden you've got thousands of people who do that or millions of people who do that. And it's all like a domino effect of you get a couple people who are crazy, who are idiots, who are assholes. And all of a sudden that empowers other people to be crazy, idiot assholes. And yeah, that's what Twitter is. Twitter is just a, a way to empower people to be a dick. That's what it basically lands at at the end of the day in my mind. I stayed off Twitter all weekend. I couldn't do it. Couldn't do it after that game Saturday night. I have a question, and you'll you'll see the full circle of it after I'm okay. done. Do you listen to country music? Yeah. Do you like like uh, Do you like Luke Bryan? I don't know. Uh, I I don't know if I know him, but Luke Bryan. Yeah. 
Well, no, I, I think I know the name. Wasn't he in Iowa last week or something? Yeah. Yeah, okay. Yeah, I know who um, it is. Do you know his song that he says most that he believes most people are good? Do you believe that? Do I believe that most people are good? Yeah. Like I yeah. I mean I think that you think like majority of people in the world are good people. Yes. I would like to think that. Uh at least like face to face, you know. Yeah. And I think that most people are inherently have good intentions. I don't think people there's that many people out there that are making malicious intent or like or making a direct attempt to fuck over other people or be mean to other people or things like that. They just are making bad decisions. You know, some like people make bad decisions. People do evil things. There is evil in this world, but I would like to think that most everyone has some sort of light in them. It's just about, then it becomes about nature versus nurture and things like that. And like your environment and the experiences that you've had in your life and how you become who you are as an adult. But I think at the beginning of your life, most everybody is like starting with a clean slate of like, you have an opportunity to be good but what are your decisions in life going to be? What do you think? I think yes, but it's hard for me to say that when I get on social media, but also I've always used this term silent, this, the silent minority or the <laughs> loud, sorry, I've said that opposite, the loud minority. Yeah, I think the minority. loud minority of people on social media, that's like the worst part of society in my opinion. Yes. And again, those are all the people that don't have their face on things. And I can yeah. promise you too, those are the same people that if they actually met you face to face are only going to say nice things to you, you know, like, because those same people are cowards. They're a coward if they won't put their own face on it and say it to you on the internet. That's what I think. If you're, if you want to level some criticism, you better put your own face on it and you better be willing to look at me man to man and say that to me. Otherwise you don't mean it. You're just being an asshole, you know? I also have a lot of, I, I do have a lot of respect though, that people, they do put their face on it and they do say something depends on the extent that they say something, but at least they had the, the dignity and like they wanted to have their face out there and they still said it. Yeah. And that's one, either they're like crazy and they are like insane or two, you know, they're maybe they're just being honest and they're good people. I don't know. Yeah. they, are being honest. And it, I have in my general experience, those people are also the ones that are most likely to have like a real dialogue and you could change their mind or they could change your mind, or you could have a real conversation where you both come to an agreement of like, okay, we don't agree with each other, but it is what it is, you know, and it's not personal. And I think that that's like, that to me is productive, you know, but the just screaming into the void with your one follower on Twitter or whatever, and you have some account where you've got some random thing as the profile picture. And then it's like, you know, I don't even know, like some random thing with a bunch of numbers at the end is the handle. And you basically look like a bot. That's where I sit there and I'm like, this is not, that's not positive. That's not, that's just cowardly. Cowardly. Who's the worst fan base on social media? after everything we're just talking about one iowa two iowa state who's worse oh i don't know i think i think both sides have their bad apples at times you know like on social media i mean it's hard to gauge you know like i mean you obviously i know what you're gonna say you know but you're also on the opposite side you know that's fine yeah and i know there's people that are iowa fans out there that don't like me and are never gonna like me they're just gonna 
because of the fact that I'm an Iowa State guy, which is really sad if we're being completely honest about it. You know, that is one of the things I think about doing this podcast that's not been frustrating necessarily, but has been eye opening. How many people are so ignorant about what someone does for their job or what someone does on a podcast or what someone does in a basketball court or things like that, that like they think that that's a reflection of who you are as a human being, but they don't even know you, you know, like there's a lot of people out there that probably have listened to my podcast for a long time and things like that, that would try and tell you that they know me, they understand who I am as human being. And I can tell you right now that they don't nobody out there like that listens to me for an hour or a couple hours every week knows me, you know, but they would still try and sit and judge my character or judge my decisions or judge the things that I do just because they've listened to me talk for however long on a podcast. And that seems, that's just unfair. It's unfair to judge people for what they do on a basketball court. It's unfair to judge people for what they do, uh, in all kinds of different things, you know, unless you murder somebody and it's like beyond a reasonable doubt that that person murdered somebody, I'm going to sit there and assume that you probably are a pretty good person. You know, and even if you murder somebody and someone tells me what happened and you explain the entire situation, I'd be like, all right, I could probably still come out of it and think there might be good in that person, you know, but I don't know. I don't know. I I know you don't like Iowa State on social media, so it's different. Yeah, I don't know. It's, it's hard just because you have I mean, seen some of the good side, though, haven't you? I have. No, you I have seen a lot of the good side. Yeah. Like there's yeah. been a lot of Iowa State fan, like even after not only after I played my final game at Hilton this last year, did I have Iowa state fans DM me good stuff after my career ended. after we lost to Richmond, I had a lot of Iowa state cyclone fans do the same thing, but I also saw the downside of the other, I mean, the other Iowa state fans that are on Twitter and tweeting at me after I lost, like just hoping I, I had, I had a downfall and we would just completely lay an egg and see a tournament. So, I don't, I don't know, man. It's so weird. I think, I think it's just, I don't even know how to explain it. Like I want to, I want to be transparent and want to get to know people and get to, especially on social media, because a lot of my life has been on social media. Like my whole life, people have watched me grow up basically into the man I am today, these last six years. So social media was a big part of that to try to explain my life and my pathway to the journey I am now. But also you just have so many assholes out there that just don't even listen to anything. Don't want to hear your side out. Like it's on both sides. So I was curious on how your response was, because I, I, I don't know. I'm the same exact way. It's no matter how you look at it, there's going to be assholes on each side of the aisle. Yeah. And I, I'll admit, like, I think as time's gone along, maybe I just don't notice it as much anymore because I just have gotten better at ignoring things like that. But I remember, you know, probably five, six years ago that, you know, there's this one guy that I, to this day, if I met him and if I met that guy, we're gonna talk about Draymond Green in just a little bit, Draymond Green, and Jordan Poole. If I met that guy and I knew that it was him, he's a, he's one of those cowards on Twitter. I would like, I would fight that guy. And there's not many people on this planet that I would like ever fight, but he said some horrible shit to me uh, when I was at the lowest point in my life. You know, I was 21 years old. I just, gone through hell and back a bunch of different shit that had happened. I wasn't working for a while. And like, it was just a whole thing. And I'm not going to go into all that, but he said some things to me that I was like, that's taking it to a whole new point of like, of vitriol, you know, and bring and it brought out a bad side to me because it was so horrible, you know? And I was at such a low point that I was like, this is like the last thing I need this random motherfucker on Twitter 
talking to me, you know, and talking his shit and thinking that he's uh, holier than thou, higher, high and mighty and all this stuff, you know? So it's hard, dude. It's hard because there's just, there's always going to be those assholes, but you just got to get to the point where, I don't know. I'm sure you'll get there. Maybe you're getting there. You just don't give a shit. It is what it is. Some people aren't, aren't going to like you. Some people are going to love you. Some people will be kind of indifferent on you. It is what it is. You know, that's just life. I agree. I, 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 it's, it's almost weird because I feel like the beginning of my career, I was less cognizant of like thinking, I, I was less thinking about what people said on social media, you know, because I was just like trying to make a name for myself. I, I always, I dealt with so much pressure, just my three older brothers because everything they did and my dad, what he did. So I wanted to just make a name for myself. And I feel like I did a pretty good job with that. It was in pretty damn good standing with everything I accomplished on and off the court. And still like to this day, I like what, what really got to me, man, was when, when I donated all that money to the children's hospital earlier this year, and I still had people talking shit to me about how oh, it was a publicity stunt and you don't even truly care. I was like, these guys have no, this is what, this is honestly what really got to me. And I was completely fine with everything before it, but still assholes still talking shit about that. And like, they don't know that I, how many times I visited the children's hospital, met these kids met these families and got really close to a bunch of these families and still talk to a lot of them to this day. And yet they're so like, they don't care behind the screen. They'll just say whatever, just to try to get a response like that. Just, it, it, it makes it hard for me to think that there's a lot of good people out there. When I see that, I was like, man, this is just so messed up. So I don't know. Yeah. That's where I think. I don't know. And my advice to you is just, like I said, like eventually you're going to get to a point where you're going to realize that none of the people on the internet really matter that much. You know, yeah. like the people that matter are, your friends, your family, the people who, you know, like at the end of the day, when it comes time to ride or die, those are the people that matter, you know, and some of those people you might meet on the internet. There are people that I have that are my friends that I met on the internet that like, they're my ride or dies now, you know, but at the end of the day too, I know that if it, if it's like push comes to shove the people I'm calling, there's maybe four of them, five of them. Shit gets real. I'm not calling anybody from Twitter. You know, I don't care what they think. I don't care about any of those people. And it just is what it is. You just got to learn to navigate it. Gets easier, gets harder sometimes. Just is what it is. It is truly crazy. Like how, when you're, when you get older, you realize how small your circle really gets. Like it is, it's crazy. Like you always hear that growing up, right? Like the five closest people is who you're going to be like. And I mean, every single day, I feel like, circle gets smaller circle gets smaller circle gets smaller like who's really there for you at the end of the day yeah it's all just like yeah, yeah exactly yeah one of, the, one of the best pieces of advice i ever got it was like right when i first started doing all of this doing radio doing cycle fanatic all those things and it was ross peterson who was chris's old co-host on cake snow and i was doing like a room i was at a remote with him i can't even remember what it was but he made some comment to me completely out of the blue he said jared you know you're going to have a lot of people who want to be your friend through this or think they want to be your friend, or you think they want to be your friend. You have enough friends. You know, the people that you, that are your friend that ride or die with you he said, don't let these people push their way into your life and make them or allow them to think 
that or allow yourself to think that they really care because at the end of the day, if everything goes away, they're not going to be the people that are there with you, you know? And that's always stuck with me, you know, where it's like the people on Twitter, if I quit tomorrow, I'm sure I'd lose thousands of followers. But at the end of the day, like, I don't care about that. It is what it is. Like I, I could go and do something else and be perfectly happy because I know that I got people that I ride with that people that, you know, I've grown up with that you just, that they care about you, you know, and the people on Twitter don't care about you. They just start being assholes. So yeah. and a lot of those people, and I felt that on a day-to-day basis playing college basketball, you just, everyone loves you at one point, everyone hates you at the other. When you're, once you're like, you're down, like you're farthest down, you can be. And then you realize, I mean, as soon as I started realizing that like sophomore year, I was like, I mean, we sucked as a basketball team. I was like, these people that I thought that were my close friends, I mean, they, they wanted me to be like, be on a bad team. They wanted me to play bad every, every single game. Like, they're just fake people. So it's yeah. great advice. And that's why at the end of the day, like with, you know, when it comes to doing my job and things like that, you know, obviously a part of my job is that you have to sometimes critique what college athletes are doing, but it's not about who they are. It's not about them as a person. It's not about any of that it's about what happens on the football field or what happens on the basketball court. And I, I think any athlete, if you sit there and you can be honest and you can be fair and you can sit there and be objective and say, Hey, you know, right now, Hunter Decker's not playing at the level you need him to play at. You know, that's nothing against Hunter Decker's as a person. I think Hunter Decker's is an awesome guy. I spent a lot of time around him. I think he's a good dude, but at the same time in my position, you got to be able to sit there and be like, but he's not playing very well right now. And that's just, it is what it is, you know? And again, like, that's not personal. I'm sure you've learned that. Like if Chad has to say Jordan Bohan is not shooting the ball very well, you're not going to sit there and be like, yeah, well, fuck you, man. Like, why are you pointing that out? It's like, yeah, I know I'm not shooting the ball very well right now, you know? And that's just, that's the way of like learning how to use, I mean, to be balanced in that and like understand sports are not real life. They're just sports. There's basketball. It's just football. It's not life or death yeah, there's money involved, but at the end of the day, like you got a family that loves you. You got friends that love you. You got everything you could need. You got a house. You can, you don't, you're not out there living on the streets or anything like that. You're good, bro. You're good. You don't need to worry about any of that stuff. You know, I have a question. I know we've been on this topic for a while, but, um, if you, if you were interviewing Spencer Petrus after this last game, what is one question you'd ask him? It's probably different for me because of, uh, that's why I want to hear it. Cause it's, I'm not, not I don't cover them. Yeah. yeah. I, was sick I don't cover them. Um, I'd like to know why he keeps coming talk to media. Like if I was going to go and sit and write a feature story about Spencer Peters, I'd say, why do you keep coming and doing this? Why do you subject yourself to this? You know, you know, none of the questions when you walk in here are going to be positive. You know, none of this is going to be a happy environment. Why, why keep doing it? you know, and that's not me saying, don't do it. I just want to understand how someone is able to do that because a lot of people don't, there's a lot of people who won't even come in and answer the questions the first time, let alone the fifth time or the sixth time or things like that, or the 10th time, you know, in Spencer's situation, whatever it is, however many games it's been that their offense hasn't been playing well. There is a lot of 
student athletes and a lot of uh, college athletes that will not do those things. You know, I, I don't know how many times I love uh, Jeff Woody is one of my closest friends in this business. And me and him have been doing a podcast together for like seven years now, long time. And when Jeff was a senior, it was my first year covering Iowa state and Jeff would play. I mean, he's playing 15, 20 snaps in a game, 30 snaps in a game, you know, and then they're bringing him out to talk about Iowa state's two and 10 offense. And he's like a fullback that maybe touched the ball two times. And he's the one that comes to answer the questions. That's where I sit. And I say, and that's like the opposite end of it. Like, why are we continuing to get this person? But then the quarterback who the starting quarterback hasn't come in and done media in three weeks, you know, that's like the opposite end of the spectrums. And that's like what I would like to ask Spencer, because I just, I think that's admirable, you know, to be willing to do those things and to be, uh, I don't know if it's like transparent, but just be a good dude, you know, that, you know, that these guys are just doing their job and, they just have to do what they have to do, you know, and that doesn't mean that it's an indictment on you or an indictment on any of, of who you are as a person. It's just like, I got to go talk about football, you know? And yeah, that's why I would, that's probably what I would ask him. The other thing I would, I would ask him is like what I said at the beginning, how does it make you feel that you're the one who has to come in and keep doing this after football games when your offensive coordinator does not, I just think that's unfair. Brian France makes a lot of money to answer those questions. And he does on Wednesdays or whatever it is, but you should have to come in after a game and react just like everybody else does. In my opinion, if you're going to make the players come in and react, it's just my two cents. So I don't know. I, I think the same thing about Tom Manning and you know, if they, if there were questions to ask Tom Manning after a game, I'd ask him, but we don't have that opportunity, you know? So it is what it is. Uh, I do want to talk about this Draymond Green story. Uh, we got a couple other things we need to hit on. This is by far probably going to end up being the longest episode of this podcast based on the fact that we've gotten through, what, uh, one of our... I don't think that was on our topic. <laughs> we have one yeah. topic. Yeah, we just talked about that for like an hour almost. But uh, now it's yesterday, Caitlin Clark, uh, Bronny James, I think DJ Wagner is another one that maybe got a, a deal with Nike. This is pretty cool, dude. That's pretty awesome to see. Um, obviously, I think, I mean, Caitlin would have been wearing Nike anyway, uh, obviously playing it at the University of Iowa. But uh, to see them doing deals like this, especially with high school kids, like that's especially, I think that's especially cool. Brownie James is a no-brainer for Nike. Uh, they they can't miss out on that one. Uh, have you watched that DJ Wagner play or seen any of his Dude. Yup. Where does he go? He's like from, uh, I think he plays high school ball in New Jersey. His dad played in the NBA too, I want to say. Yeah, Dewan Wagner Jr. That's his name, yeah. Dewan Wagner played in the NBA. He's from uh, Camden, New Jersey. He's the number two recruit in the country uh, in the 2023 class. Got a top three of Kentucky, Louisville, and Memphis. He's not going to Memphis. No, Penny can't drop the bag anymore because he got put, he got, had to go through the infractions process, you know? There, yeah, there's no way in hell. He, where, what city you say he's from? New Jersey? Camden, from? New Jersey. Uh, Dewan Wagner Sr., I, I believe, actually played at Memphis for John Calipari. So mm-hmm. I would imagine that Kentucky would have to be the. Oh, he's going to Kentucky. Yeah, would have to be the odds on favorite for that one. Uh, yeah, Dewan Wagner, former Memphis and NBA point guard, first round pick of the Cleveland Cavaliers in 2002. Oh, he's so, first round. Oh yeah. He was, Oh yeah. He was a good player. Yeah. He's a real good player. But yeah. He's the number, 
number two recruit in the country according to 247 so yeah he was another one of them and then uh i'm interested to see where Bronny's gonna go that's gonna be a intriguing little storyline i think over the next whatever seven eight months before he has to make a decision you know what i want to see happen is uh now that he signed this Nike deal, I want him to go to like Adidas sponsored school. And I want to only for the sake of like how the endorsement deals work now. Yeah. Like is, would he wear Nike shoes? I know there uh, NCA put out a statement saying that they are allowed to do that. If they have a sponsorship deal with something competing against the school's brand. Actually, I don't know if that was the case. Is it, is it more that the, I mean, I, I think the only thing that the NCAA could do in that case is they would have to say that the school can't force you to wear whatever you're wearing. You know, like if you're if you're at Iowa or Iowa State, they can't say you have to wear Nike if you have an, a, a deal with Adidas. I'm sure they wouldn't be thrilled about it. You know, I'm sure that Adidas probably wouldn't even be thrilled about it at the end of the day. But it's like one of those things you would just have to work through. I'm sure. You know, but it would be an awesome like development of college sports how that pans out okay well let's look at these schools that are recruiting uh brownie james now that he's got his nike deal uh ohio state oregon or yeah ohio state ohio state's a nike school usc is a nike school uh oregon's a nike school north carolina nike michigan nike kentucky nike kansas is the only one on here i think that's not a nike school and he's not going to kansas so man ohio state dude I think he's going to be a dog out there for the Buckeyes. He's yeah, going to Oregon. Yeah, yeah. There's no way. Dana Altman, dude, he's a hell of a basketball coach, man. You ever been? You ever met him before? Yeah, we played him twice. Oh, okay. Yeah, he's a good coach, dude. Yeah. Yeah. We played him um, my senior year. We oh, played Oregon. Yeah, yeah. yeah, that was a yeah. bad bad game. But we played him my junior year, and I had a, I had like 18 and eight, and I had a phenomenal game. Me, me, Luca, Ryan. I think Tyler had a really good game too. We played really well. That's when they had Peyton Pritchard and uh oh shoot, I can't remember. Uh Ball. They had they had a really good team. They had like four NBA players on their team. We played on Madison Square Garden and we played really, really well. Was so like, I should Was that like Chris Duarte and like those guys yeah. too? Uh yeah. no, Duarte wasn't on the team. I don't okay. think. I think he was coming in that next year. But Peyton Pritchard, they had a dude that was insanely athletic too. I can't think of his name, but it's kind of been their MO for yeah. most of the time. Jordan Bell, that you remember him? He was yeah. another one of those guys that was a really good player for them. Dylan Brooks. Yeah, they had some really good Duarte, teams. Duarte was really good. Yeah, he's he's gonna be a really good player, I think, with the Pacers with uh Tyrese Halbert uh mm-hmm. teaming up with him. Yeah. yeah. I, it's funny, I was talking to uh I was talking to Matt Campbell today at, at interviews. And uh, me and him talk basketball sometimes. And uh, he saw I had my Sixers stuff on. He's like, what do you think of my Cavs? I was like, I don't know, man. What do you think of your Cavs? And he's like, I think we're contenders. I think we're going all the way. <laughs> and I was like, I just, apparently you have more faith than Donovan Mitchell's defensive abilities than what I do. I, like, I don't know if I'm ready to take that leap with you yet, coach. The king ain't walking in that door, but – uh, I'll, I'll ride with you or whatever you say. I thought that was pretty funny. I don't uh, even know who's on there. Who's going to be the starting five this year? The, the, uh, Cavs. Yeah. Mitchell, well, uh, Donovan Mitchell, Darius Garland, uh, Garland, and, don't they? And, yeah. uh, uh, Evan Mobley are gotta be mm-hmm. the three that are, are locked in. They have Jared Allen still, right? I don't know. I think they do. 
And then I guess, I don't know, they probably need like a, what a, a like a swingman wing or something, a three and D type of wing kind of guy. I, I think they've still got Jared Allen. So that front court will be nice with Evan Mobley, Evan Mobley and Jared Allen together. Evan Mobley's going to be a dog, dude. That's such a hard place to win though, Cleveland. Like who yeah. wants to go to Cleveland? Like, yeah, they basically needed, of... they needed arguably the greatest player of all time to come to town. And then they still needed to go to seven games and come back from th- down three, one to be able to win the finals. Yeah. It's just yeah. Such, a, such a hard place. Yeah. Not a very fun place to live. I think as a basketball player. Uh, all right. Last night on Monday night football, Devonte Adams is uh, going to maybe be in some trouble for uh, just, this is just a weird deal, dude. He sho- walking off the field after the Raiders lose to the chiefs shoves down a cameraman. I don't know. I mean, the guy walked in front of him, you know, like you watch the video and you're like, yeah, I mean, I, t- I kind of get it. He really shoved him, but man, this is going to turn into a whole thing. And that's like really dumb. You already know that guy is going to probably try and sue him. I saw there's a police yeah, report. Uh, yeah, there's a police report yeah. that's been filed. He went to the hospital, said that he suffered an injury. Man, this is, I don't know. I don't know how far I want to go with this. This is bullshit, dude. This is bullshit. There's no way that Devontae Adams shoving that person injured them. I just refuse to believe it. I don't know. Until I see a, a C proof. But even then, it's like, what's the guy going to do? Show up in a neck brace? <laughs> Probably. Yeah. I mean, I guess. I don't know. This is just a, that's a money grab, dude. That's what I would say if I'm if I'm talking to Devontae Adams, I'd be like, dude, it like it was unnecessary. That's probably the first piece of it. But two, dude, it's like you just open the door for them to take a bunch of your money for no reason. You know, I don't know. Well, what the thing you, is, I don't know. I, I see what you're saying. But also, I don't know. It's don't push the guy then, you know? Yeah. Like, you well, can't that's what I'm like, like, just don't push him. Like, I don't, I don't know. He apologized and said that he felt bad about it. And that, but he's like, but the guy jumped in front of me. And then you watch the video and it's like, yeah, I mean, I guess he did, but like, you're still arm's length away from him. You can't wait for him to walk by and then just keep going. You know? I don't know. I, I don't know. <laughs> The way I see it is it's not going to go to court and the guy is just going to get a sum of money. That's what I said. He'll just settle. That That's where I, that's why I say that to like, if I said that to Devonte, it's just like, now you just got to pay him, but like, it is what it is, but man, don't like, don't do that. That's just unnecessary. We don't need it. Don't need it. You know, uh, speaking the of suing, Daniel, the, uh, the suing, the player reminds me of, have you seen, there's a Twitter, a uh, video going viral this guy like standing underneath a walmart letter at a walmart <laughs> store because it was waiting like yeah he's like waiting for my uh i don't know the exact words of it but dude it was so hilarious like he stood there for a whole day waiting for it to fall down well did you see too the uh the guy last week that ran on the field at monday night football with the the rams and the whoever they're yeah. yeah and he got tackled by bobby wagner and now he's trying to file a police report against bobby wagner like come on man wait how does that work though isn't that necessarily trespassing so but he did get hit by the player not a security guard yeah he's trying to say that it's like assault and i sit there i said you came into bobby wagner one of the baddest dudes in the nfl you came into his place of work and bobby wagner does what he does in his place of work and you're mad about that that's gonna be an interesting case 
If you don't want to go on the football field and get hit, then don't, or if you don't want to get hit on the football field, don't go on the football field. Pretty simple, pretty simple, you know? And that's why I think even if that went to court, I would like to think that any reasonable jury or any reasonable judge or anything like that would sit there and say, Hey man, if you don't want to get hit by a football player, or if you're mad that you got hit by a football player, I got a perfect solution for you. Don't go on an NFL football field. Problem solved. It's trespassing. Like, yeah, you're the one breaking the law, bro. Like, I don't know. Why are you like, why would you turn around and try and say that it's on him? He says he got a concussion. Well, I'm sure you probably did. Cause you just ran on a football field un- with no pads, no helmet, anything with like the, the, some of the most amazing athletes in the, some of the people who could legitimately really fuck up a lot of normal people if they wanted to, like, I'm sure Bobby Wagner could have hit that guy 10 times harder than what he did. And he, he didn't because he knew I don't need to do this. I just need to get the guy on the ground because you shouldn't be out here to begin with. That's, that's a little different than the cameraman thing, but it's like, it's where you just, I feel bad for athletes because I feel like people are taking advantage of them in situations where like, they're just trying to do their job. They're just trying to walk off the field or something like that. Something happens in all, like in my mind, if I'm walking off of a field as a reporter and some, and a player shoves me down, I would have to be like broken arm, broken leg, something like that before I'm gonna be like, yeah, I'm gonna sue that person. You know, even then I don't know about sue them. Can we just stop protesting like, like people tying their hands to hoops and running on fields? Because I think he was protesting too with something on his shirt. Yeah, I think it was something about uh, pigs in a in like a, uh, inhumane pig enclosures or something like that. It's it's kind of like what happened with uh, you remember when in Minnesota when the the person tried to glue their hand to the floor yeah, during yeah. the playoff game because uh, Glenn Taylor, the owner of the Wolves, had had owned like a chicken farm or something like that. And they killed a bunch of the chickens cause they all got sick and they couldn't let all the chickens in the, like in the immediate area get really sick. And then the people are protesting that like, I'm yeah, I'm sure it's messed up, you know, but man, like, can we pick a better, like a different forum? Why are we doing it here? You know, everyone's just trying to the game. You're the one person who's bringing bad vibes in here. It's one thing if like the, the players do something, and not necessarily they're going to do something to protest a chicken farm, but it's a totally different scenario when a fan runs on the field. Like it's not their workplace. It's not their time to be doing something like that. It's like get the hell off the field, either watch the game or don't step foot in the court. That's, I mean, there, I don't, I don't feel like that's something that one thing of a streaker, like not a streaker, I guess that's kind of a different situation. Yeah, I don't even know if that's any better, but yeah. yeah. But like a baseball fan, like just running on the field, like that's usually all in good fun. Like obviously there's consequences for doing that, but like protesting during the game and doing shit like that, like who, what is that accomplishing? Like go somewhere else. Especially now when they won't even put the people on TV, you know, yeah. like they won't even show them doing whatever they're doing. I don't know, man. It's just, just, you got to be a different level of crazy to be like, yeah, I'm going to go run on the field in the middle of an NFL game. I don't want anything to do with that. Survivably insane. All those people are. Yeah. If I, if I step foot on an NFL field, I'm, I'm down bad. I already know that <laughs> I'm, I'm getting injured. Um, all right. Uh, speaking of Dana Altman, uh, apparently he's not impressed with the university of Michigan right now. Uh, 
So the Ducks hosted or went to Ann Arbor to play Michigan two years ago or three years ago, almost in 2019. Uh, there was a scheduled return game in that home and home for mid November, 2020. Uh, but then because of COVID, obviously it was pushed back. But now two years later, uh, they have not rescheduled the game and Oregon still doesn't have Michigan on the calendar for a trip to Eugene. Uh, this is from Yahoo and Dana Altman isn't happy about it. Quote, there's no buyout there coming. Altman said when asked about the home and home series, I don't know. I don't know. They have a hard time answering the phone, I guess, but no, they owe us a game and we fully expect them to repay the game. I'm sure if the shoe was on the other foot, they would expect us to return it. And we sure as, excel, uh, sure as hell expect them to return it. Altman confirmed he hasn't heard of this game is in the works for 23, 24 or not, but he is planning on letting Michigan get out is not planning on letting Michigan get out of a return game. Uh, was, was Jawan Howard there in 2019 or was that still John Beeline? Would have been the year before COVID. I think Jawan's first year was 2019. Okay. So that's what I was going to say. I didn't know if maybe the old staff was the one who had agreed to that or something like that. Cause I know, you know, Iowa state did a home and home with Oregon state that uh, got pushed back and then they did it. They played the, the return game last year and it was like Steve's prom staff had organized the first one, you know, but then they obviously still took the game and, and played it the, the, at the first opportunity. Uh, it would have been 2020. was his first year. Okay, so he so it was the old staff then that had uh, that had organized it, right? Um, yeah, it was after the 2019 year, unless they did it when he got there. So he, his first season. Well, that wouldn't make sense. No, was yeah. 1920. Yeah, it would have had to be the team before. Okay, why? I want to know why would Michigan not just go play the game? Well, I do know with the whole uh, it was COVID. There's what, oh, yeah. what happened that last year? Sense. Yeah, yeah. There was uh, I'm trying to think back. The COVID year, Michigan was out for like a month. And did it happen last year? What happened last year? There was like something happened that Michigan didn't play. Was there a rescheduling, uh, or was that the COVID year? I'm thinking of. Yeah, I think you're thinking of the COVID year. I I don't think that uh yeah it would have been covid yeah so nebraska were nebraska was like big on trying to make up all their games and we were iowa was stuck in the middle of trying to reschedule games and we were waiting on michigan and they wouldn't reschedule a game between michigan or something and they ended up rescheduling a game on a day we were supposed to play so it messed up our schedule traveling times and everything and i know from what I heard, he was pretty difficult to deal with with scheduling games. So this doesn't surprise me that maybe he just doesn't want to go to Oregon and play. That is a hard place to go play, yeah. especially coming from the Eastern time zone. Obviously, you know, three hours behind at that point. And obviously, like we talked about before, Dana Altman's always got really good teams. I just – it's kind of cowardly to, like, say you're going to go and play, and even if it's been a couple years, just not go. You know, like if you're Michigan and you want to be a team that contends to win national titles and things like that, be that kind of program. Don't you need to go play games like this or isn't this beneficial? I don't know. I guess that's where I would sit here and I'd be like, just go play the game, man. You know, like just answer the phone and be like, yeah, we'll come out and play. What's the it worst that can happen? We lose. Yeah. What's the matter? Yeah. You know, it, it could be too, that maybe there's some issues with, uh, 
their schedule. I know scheduling like games can be really detrimental to the teams. Like I know this it's is hard, why yes, Jeffrey has hard. a hard time going to like a Mali Invitational because it ruins like your whole like getting ready, prepping for your games next week because you like show up really late in the, in the end of the week in Thanksgiving and you only have a couple days to get ready and it ruins your scheduling for the rest of the couple weeks and trying to get back on pace. So maybe that's what's happening. He's just having a hard time trying to, they're trying to, they're having a hard time trying to find a game that will fit or a day that will fit. I was going to say, I mean, I know that trying to put that schedule together is like trying to put a puzzle together, you know, and because obviously every team you're trying to schedule has games too, you know? So it's just like trying to figure out the balance of all those things. I don't know. Dana Altman saying something about it makes me think that there's gotta be like more to it. Maybe he doesn't like Jawan Howard. I don't know what the deal is. That's a weird deal. Cause Dana Altman also doesn't seem like the kind of guy that would just go off. For no reason, you know, I don't, I, like, I don't know. I feel like there's a lot of coaches out there that don't like Jawan Howard. Yeah, I don't know. I guess, I mean, I've never, like, well, I don't know. Well, you see Coach Guard got slapped by him, one. Yeah. Two, Coach Turgeon got threatened to get killed by him. Yeah. So that's, he's already, well, I guess Coach Tur- 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 Turgeon's off the Big Ten coaching staffs now, so. I See, that's where it's like, how much of that is just the heat of battle, you know, like where you just don't like somebody, Dude, but you, you still respect them, you know? Like, I don't know. But I mean that. Yeah, me, no, I get it. Like, wait, no, I know you're telling people. me. <laughs> what? What? You're telling. I don't know if Coach Guard respects him. Well, I I know. Uh, if you I get people, slapped, I know if people who aren't a huge fan of Greg Guard either. So it's like I don't know. True. You true. know. But are you gonna respect someone that just slapped you on national television? And no, you're no, absolutely coach? not. And that's what I'm saying. Like, I that's why I stopped myself. I don't know about the heated battle with some of that stuff because that's like a little bit intense. But it's like at the same time, like. I don't know. I feel like Juwan Howard's done enough in basketball to get some respect, you know, and if, if this many people don't like him, then clearly he's done something wrong along the way that is pissed off a lot of people, you know, I don't know Juwan Howard. So it's like, I I don't even know anybody that knows Juwan Howard that I know of. So it's like, it's hard for me to really like judge him, you know, but I sit there and I, I'm like, man, it seems like a lot of people have a problem with him, you know? I, I would like to know why that is, I guess. This, well, these kind of things would be why. Like, the record that, stands like, for itself. There, I mean, there's issues in the past. I feel like, I mean, this is the third instance that I've seen. Maybe way more than that. But, like, big headlines that there's issues with another coaching staff across either conference lines or this is not even Big Ten. So, I don't know. I, I think it's weird. I think there's something maybe they think he's cocky or they don't, I don't know. There's something which is probably there. fair, you know, yeah. which is probably fair, but that's where I'd also say like, man, I mean, that's probably a guy that earned it a little bit to be cocky, you know, like, and he's, I don't know. His teams are usually pretty good. I mean, you played against them. I mean, they're pretty tough. Aren't they a tough team to go play? Yeah. I mean, we beat them last year, but they're a really tough team to, especially towards the end of the year. They, they dominated yeah they got going so all right do you do you think uh i do want to add to this do you uh i think the best coaches are past athletes i don't even think that's a question i think it depends on who it is though i think there's certain coaches out there that are certain players out there who have been coaches 
that have a hard time. The best coaches in my mind are the guys who have sat, have either been the star player and have had to work to be the star player or the guys who have been like the sixth or seventh man. You know, I think about people like Steve Kerr, who Steve Kerr is a really good NBA player and played in the NBA for a really long time, won a bunch of titles. But Steve Kerr can relate to not only Stephen Curry, who's the star of the team, and it, because he's been around stars and with all these different guys at all these different places, but he can also relate to, uh, you know, back when they were like really rolling Mo Spates, who's like the 11th guy on the team, you know, and tell him to be like, Hey, you got to keep working and things like that. But then I think you also look at people like, you know, someone like Jason Kidd, who's like bounced from team to team. And it's just, he was always a star as a player. Like, and it's, they've always said that he has a hard time. He can relate to Giannis, but he can't relate to, X guy. That's the fourth guy off the bench, you know, because he can't relate to what their experience is because he showed up in the NBA and played, you know? So I think it's like a tough line where like, yeah, some star players can be good coaches, but I think the best coaches are the guys who were not the star player, but were really still good players and know the game. That's my opinion. It's a good point. Is there somebody you had in mind that you were like thinking of that would be, I was just curious. It got me thinking of like how many coaches out there that are actually past players and have played the game, but there's also a lot of good coaches that haven't played the game to at the highest level. And I think like, if you know, basketball, you know, basketball, it don't matter if you can play, you know, if, if you can teach it and you can tell teach other people how to play, like, you know, you know, someone like Eric Spolstra who just like grinded his way through the heat video room to become the head coach. I got a lot of respect for that guy because he had nothing handed to him. He just grinded and people were like, man, this guy really knows ball, you know? And now he's a multiple time NBA champion and has been to the finals multiple times. And is one of the best coaches in the NBA, like Greg Popovich, he's another one. Like he's not a guy that was like a superstar NBA player, you know, uh, dudes that just like study the game, they work their asses off and then they're able to communicate with people too, you know, and relate to people and get people to do to fulfill their vision of what they see they need to do on the court, you know, and that's what the hardest part of coaching is, especially when you get those egos and things like that working into all that stuff. Um, All right. We talked about officiating. We're not doing that anymore. Uh, You want to go again? No, we're not not going back around. All right. Let's talk about Draymond Green really quick. Uh, I'm glad that we had whatever, you know, four days to, or I had four days to think about this before we came on here and talked about this. Cause I, my opinions have changed a little bit. Uh, that's some of the most fucked up shit I think I've ever seen, uh, a basketball player do to another one. Um, when I first watched it, I thought it was funny because basketball players don't fight. And when you see basketball players fight, it's like the most embarrassing thing ever because it's like just flailing around, slapping each other, things like that. Not landing, crushing right hooks on their first attempt, you know? So that was where I was like, man, like that's, that's intense for what you would normally expect to see a basketball scuffle to be, especially how it was characterized prior to the video coming out. Uh, I'm interested to know what you think. What do you, I mean, I, if you're Jordan Poole, can you come back and play with that guy? Before I answer that, I will say this. I don't think you're giving basketball players enough respect on. On fighting? Yes. No, no. Basketball players cannot fight, dude. 
Okay. So you're telling me they're they're of all the athletes, sport like all the sports, basketball is on the bottom tier. How many times have you ever seen basketball players fight each other like that? It happens all How the time. How long have practice. you been around basketball? It happens all the time in practice. Where they punch each other out like that? No, this is where I want to before before we talk about that, I was just stating this that I I think you're not giving them enough credit. They of all the sport like soccer, swimming, like you can go down on baseball. Like you're telling me basketball. Baseball players fight all the time. I've seen them be, beat the shit out of each other on the field. Right. I don't know. I just think you're, there's a lot of dudes out there that are, no, you don't, def- want to mess with don't get me wrong. I, I'm just saying that in basketball, if you see most basketball fights, none of them are like this. That's why when I saw it, it was so shocking because that's not what you expect to see a basketball fight be like. I've been in a basketball fight before in practice. I know that. Like, I get what you're saying. But I'm saying that you don't expect to see one teammate walk up to another teammate and deck him in the face. I agree. That's, that's like Those yeah. are two separate things. That's not a fight. What they did was not a fight. That's knocking someone out for no reason. You know? That was basically a sucker punch, honestly. Like, yeah, that's exactly what it was. It was ex- yeah. it was a sucker punch. And there's people out there that are like, oh, you know, and I I mean, even I, I was like, man, Jordan Poole must have, like, he had to have done something to deserve it, you know, but then you hear more about it and it's like, okay, maybe not. Like, that's where I sit there and I say, well, Draymond has something, has to have something that he needs to go and figure out himself and do like some self-reflection because that's like, that's just fucked up like man to man, you know, for anyone to do that. One, their teammates... Okay, I, before I go to the two things, there's uh, the amount of time I've been in the sport of basketball. There's like preseason at, at Iowa. There's a fight almost every other day. Like someone is fighting with someone, not to the extent of someone is going up to another teammate and decking them in the face, but there's a lot of like pushing and shoving and grabbing and and know, talking stuff like that yeah. and talking talk, a lot of, lot of shit yeah. talking. Yeah, yeah. I don't see how if you're truly teammates like i get how you can fight and that's just being competitive athletes during practice i don't see no matter whatever was said or what was being said beforehand or what happened beforehand how it's ever okay to go up to a teammate and knock them out ever yeah it's one thing if jordan Poole would have went like yeah he gave him a shove but also draymond went out right up into his face and made first contact so and Draymond's also six foot seven and like 50 pounds heavier than right. Jordan Poole. You yeah. Know? But I don't think to any extent is it ever okay in whatever profession, like whatever, whenever you say something that shouldn't it get to the level of you getting punched in the face for it, in my opinion. But I've, I've also experienced that too. Like I've, I've been on the first hand, I've experienced getting knocked out, but I don't know. I don't, if you're truly like great teammates and want to win a championship, that doesn't happen. That shouldn't happen. And that's why, yeah, it's like, it's like, that's why I say like that. I I don't know if I would consider myself a Draymond fan, but I have a lot of respect for Draymond's game because of his, the fact that he's just like a grinder, you know, and like the only way that he's even in the league is by just like being a grinder and being kind of a wild card. And to, and we've always heard about how great of a leader he is in the locker room and things like that to see him do that. It makes you feel like there has to be like something going on with him that he's like having a bad time, you know, and just needs to work through that. And like, I don't know if that has anything to do with basketball, you know, that's like, it's like I said, it's like, you need to go and like self-reflect on 
whatever it was that came out of you right there. That's not competition. That's not being trying to hold people accountable or things like that. That's just like, again, it's like, it's just being an asshole, you know, why would that come out of you? That, you know, that's where it's kind of where I've landed on it at the end of the day. And I also think if it, it would have been a different scenario too, like it still would have been wrong, but if they're like, actually like Jordan Poole was guarding him on defense and they're getting into it and they're starting to be shoving and grabbing and it got to that point while they were playing best, but they were literally just sitting there and just, there's someone like he was talking shit to someone and then they, he got in his face. So I think the whole situation as you more, as you like analyze it, it gets more fucked up. Yeah. That's what I was like. That's where, like I said, I'm glad that we had time to think about, or I had time to think about it because like the more you sit and you just process what it was that you saw, it's like, that's not basketball. That's not. And that's why I say like, that's, you don't see that. You don't see people do those things anywhere, you know, especially in a professional environment. And I don't know, that's, you say I'm not giving basketball players enough credit for their fighting ability, but there's a lot of I, basketball I players basketball out there, players dude, that are pretty fucking scrappy. And well, I would they want are, them on they're my all, side. And all those people know where the line is. True. That's why they're able to do what they do is because they know when they're get, they're trying to push somebody else to go over the line. True. And fuck up their team. You know, do you know who people who do that? Draymond Green. Yeah. That's what Draymond Green does is he gets under your skin and he fucks with you and he grabs your shorts and he kicks you in the nuts and he does things like that. Be- and hate him or hate him or love him. It's what he does. And that's why he's been such a crucial part of that team. But this is not that that was not what we had seen previously from him or seen previously from really anybody in a long time in the NBA of what that kind of punch was, you know, what's worse, the punch happening or the video getting leaked. I think the video getting leaked. No, it's the punch is without a doubt. The punch, the video getting leaked though is fucked up. Um, How does that happen? Like that? Did you listen to Draymond's press conference about it? One thing you got asked. Yeah. He really didn't, wasn't really apologetic. He was only talking about the staff and the organization doing stuff and helping like investigating the leak. And he was really like put an emphasis on the leak getting out instead of his own actions, which I thought made it even worse. So I and that know. makes me think that it makes me wonder if someone inside the organization thought that they were going to try and sweep it under the rug, which is what I think exactly what they were going to do. Basically. I mean, at, at first he wasn't even going to miss any time or anything like that, you know? Uh, and it's them maybe having something against Draymond or something like that. that they wanted to expose it, you know, could have but, been Jordan Poole himself. I suppose it could have been. Yeah. Theoretically, if it is who gets in more trouble, him or Draymond how is there like a but also would Jordan Poole want it to get leaked of him getting you know getting the, like rocked like that true uh, but it, unless there's like some very under the yeah under the table the, yeah, under the table yeah. stuff going on that he really wanted that to get out because it was getting really bad yeah I saw a tweet yesterday that uh uh it was uh, 
from Legion Hoops, Stephen A. on first take. Quote, I can tell you right now, Draymond Green is expecting this to be his last year in Golden State. Now he wants to be a Laker. Does he just say whatever the hell he comes to his head? Stephen A. Yeah. Uh, he actually is pretty tied in. Stephen A. So? a basketball reporter for a really long time. And he was really close with Kobe. He's really cl- close yeah, with Chris that's Paul. True. That's why uh, yeah. Pat Beverly went on there and was talking to him about, I know Chris Paul's your boy, you know? And saying all that stuff because it's like he knows who Stephen A's sources are. And that I'm sure that he it would not shock me at all if Stephen A and Draymond were tight, you know. I don't know that that's probably something that Draymond wants Stephen A to go and say on first take, but you know, it is what it is, I guess. Draymond was just on the shop last week with LeBron. Yeah, I saw that. Yeah, I did see that. It's so bizarre, though. I mean, the more even I'm thinking, dissecting the moment, it doesn't make any sense, really. No, it's just like it's incomprehensible. How, how do you get to that point? Why are you doing that? You know? And you I, can't even, there's nothing Draymond could say, too, that makes me believe that it was exp- like you can explain why you would do that, too. It would have to be something so egregious, you know, And that's where, like, when I first saw it, I was like, man, this seems like it had to have been something that was, like, building up for a long time that, like, he had a problem with Jordan Poole. And it came out right then, you know. But then he comes out and says, like, there isn't anything like that, you know. And i that's where I'm like. I don't believe that. Yeah. I, I find it really hard to believe that you go from, like, I'm not mad at this person at all to doing that. There's no sane thought process that gets you there or at least like a productive one you know and everybody has a friend that it's like you've seen them punch somebody sometime that they shouldn't have punched or something like that or like anybody or have somebody who has been punched like i've saw uh no i'm not gonna tell that story i'm not gonna tell that story it's a bad idea but uh it's like i'll never forget like i had one friend that he you know him and his and another of my friends they're beefing over a girl and like one punches the other one over this girl, you know, and you sit there and you're like, bro, like, what is this? You guys have been friends forever. Why are you fighting each other? You know, why are you punching people? That's pointless. You guys are brothers. You don't do this shit. That's what, and I imagine that's the conversations that people are having with Draymond that like, bro, you're the big brother on this team. Why are you punching people? That's stupid. It's pointless. How is that productive? But it's not even as like the old school, like people want to compare it to the old school NBA, like the fights, like Steve Kerr got punched. I mean, what? Like, I, I don't know. I, I hate that comparison too, because it's just not one. We're not in an old school society anymore. To, if, if you want to even go down that route and two, like, how's that even explainable watching the film of it that you can even say that that used to happen all the time. Yeah. Well, Fighting did used to be pretty prevalent in the NBA, but obviously well, we're just talking about Kareem would like uh, yeah. he, he's decking guy. I mean, there's a literally a fight malice in the palace. Yeah, we we saw that live. I mean, they but, made a documentary about. I mean, a whole like section of a documentary about the last in the last dance about Michael Jordan punching Steve Kerr. You know, like, and it was everybody's like, yeah, it just was what it was, and then we just went back to playing. Yeah. I don't think you're coming back and just playing from that no. Draymond and Jordan Poole deal. Yeah, that's a tough deal. All right, a couple stories here. Uh, Minnesota man arrested after crashing the into, the week. Yeah. Uh, in, after crashing into uh, Decorah home. 
A Minnesota man was arrested and charged with an OWI after police say he crashed into a ve- uh, crashed a vehicle into a house in Decorah on Friday night. Uh, is there a picture? I don't think so. No, I wish no I was injury. looking for one. No injuries. Uh, th- oh, man, I wish there was a picture. Okay, so the guy that smashed into somebody's house that happened in uh, in my hometown one time. Um, I was crashed into a house. Yeah, there's like a. a this one area where you're kind of driving on the highway and like it turn and it like turns and it was, I think it was dark outside and they, I don't know, they were probably, they were probably fucked up too. Like it, and they crashed into somebody's house. Uh, all right. Uh, another driver is facing charges for going over 120 miles per hour on an Iowa highway. Wow. The driver that was also so fast. Last, I mean, that's like, uh, it's that's a felony. Like, that's like Henry Ruggs shit, you know, like if you're doing the, and if like you come up on the wrong kind of person, you got to throw the brakes on your, you could kill somebody. Don't drive your car 125 miles an hour. That's fucking He's drunk too. Arrested for drunk driving. People are fucking morons, dude. Uh, all right. This one is my, my submission here for you. Man charged with smuggling pythons in his pants at us border. <laughs> what is wrong with people? A New York City man has been charged with smuggling three Burmese pythons in his pants at the U.S.-Canadian border crossing. Calvin Batista, 36, is accused of bringing the hidden snakes on a bus that crossed into northern New York on July 15, 2018. Oh, this is a long, it's, uh, it's been long pending trial here. Uh, importation of Burmese pythons is regulated by an international treaty. Holy shit. Okay, so this is like a huge deal. Uh the charge carries the potential for a maximum sentence of 20 years in prison and a fine as high as $250,000. Uh, the Burmese python, one of the world's largest snakes, is considered a vulnerable species in its native Asia and is invasive in Florida where it threatens native animals. Burmese pythons are like, those are like the, I mean, those are huge snakes. How do you fit those in your pants? First thing. Well, they must be babies. Do they not bite? <laughs> Uh, aren't those the ones that just squeeze you, you know, uh, I just, you probably liked it. You're taking a significant risk of potentially losing, I don't know, a leg or a nut or a nut or your, or your Python, you know, like, I don't know. Like this is just, that's a tough situation. That's a tough situation. Uh, you, you good. I just sneezed, muted my mic. <laughs> I sneezed so hard my headset fell off. I was say, that was a violent. That was violent right there. <laughs> Man, notice who's how, the, uh, what? Go ahead. No, I was gonna say, who's the dumbass of the week? The guy crashing into the house, the 226 miles an hour. The man charged with smuggling pythons in his pants. I think it's the smuggling pythons in his pants guy. I agree, but notice how like my submissions this week, Jared. I had to lean back a little bit after what happened last weekend, so I couldn't. You couldn't I quite go the line. Far. Yeah, I, cro- I crossed the line last weekend. I couldn't do. I couldn't. You do did. It's, see, that's where you just got to think about the larger issues. Where it's like that person been to jail a lot of times. You know, yeah, you, t- you tore me down, though. You really yeah. emotionally. Well, I didn't mean to tear you down. I was just trying to like help you understand that there's more to a story than the funny headlines sometimes you know I I we have to, yeah we have to get to the bottom of like sometimes you read the headline you're like man no this is actually just really fucked up like this isn't this is not funny uh but the fucking burmese pythons 
That shit's funny. I don't know. That guy is. That guy's a different breed. Snake people are a different are a different breed. I don't even know what, what what's going to possess someone to have a snake as a pet. I mean, I don't ever want to have a snake as a pet. Imagine I don't sleeping even be and in you the have a snake. Yeah, exactly. I'll pass. That's a yeah. no for me. I, I I don't know about that one. There was this point. This is funny. Uh, or I don't know. I used to talk about this with one of my buddies. Where uh, when it, I used I went there was a stretch where I'd be like on a dating app or whatever. And I kept seeing these girls with pet snakes and I was like, not only does this person have a pet snake, but they like love that snake so much that they put it on their dating profile. That's a red flag, significant red flag, you know? And I made my rule right then. If I ever meet a girl who has a pet snake, she's, that's a hard no. I'm just not a fan of, yeah, I don't, how do you even, what does that, pos, what, what possesses your, you to want to have, be close to the snake? I don't get it. They're slimy. Know. They're not pets. They are not pets. Yeah. They're wild animals. Yeah. And they're not even like cute or anything, you know, like if someone had a koala, it's like, well, I mean, you probably shouldn't have a koala, but like at the same <laughs> time, like that's a fucking koala. That's a badass, you know? But if you tell me you've got three Burmese pythons, I say, why? Well, for what reason? What, what are you doing with them? Or a tiger? Does a tiger fall into that category? Any animal that could conceivably kill you, like just make a decision to kill you, is not an animal that I want in my house. You know? Like, I have a dog. She's not going to make a conscious decision to kill me. She could trip well, me going down the stairs, but she's not going to be like, yeah, I'm going to kill this person. But a python... How do you know what a python's thinking? Python could just all of a sudden decide like, yeah, fuck you, man. You're done. I've seen enough. Had enough of you. I'm killing you now. How do you Tiger? train a snake? That always fascinates me. Like how you can just train animals. I bet Joe Exotic could do it. Is it isn't he? Wait, is he the He's one that jail. locked up? Yeah. Yeah. Free Joe Exotic. I love that show. Free Joe Exotic. So her, is that how we're gonna? <laughs> so he can train, so he can train the guys uh, repossessed uh, Burmese pythons. They probably had to put them down too. Probably had to put the pythons down because that Did fucking guy snakes? would just leave them alone, huh? Did Joe Exotic have snakes too? I think it was just tigers. I mean, would it shock you? He had all kinds of stuff. Like I don't know, he had everything. If if you came to me and said, "Yeah, Joe Exotic had three Burmese pythons," I'd be like, "Yeah." I mean, obviously, of course he did. You know? There's so many like species out there. Like if you think about it, like shit that scares you. Not even just species, but shit like species that I don't want to be like involved with. I think about the fact that there are things that have lived on. I mean, dinosaurs and shit like that. That like we will never even comprehend how horrifying they would have been. There's probably shit in the bottom of the ocean that no one's ever seen that is like terrifying. You know, the Loch Ness monster. Do you believe? Thank everybody for listening. Talk to you guys again next week. Peace. Iowa everywhere.